You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 257 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is 1 a.m. on Saturday morning, and I am joined by Scott Coleman. And uh, Scott is obviously bad luck because this is another loss, and Eric remains undefeated. Hello, Scott. The Braves have lost twice this year. And for those who maybe know, maybe don't know, uh, we kind of schedule our days out in advance. So we've known for a while that... I was doing game three, and then I was doing game five, especially with the late start. And the Braves have lost both. So clearly, the Coleman curse is very real. Here's hoping that you and Eric can bring us home this weekend. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, I did tweet this. This is going to be a little bit shorter of a podcast, which you probably already saw when you clicked on it. But um, given the very late hour, also the uh, unfortunate result and the early start time on Saturday, uh, not going to go our our full hour probably on this one, but we'll hit the highlights Obviously a frustrating outcome. I think you and I talked about this two nights ago, but um, it's sometimes, or honestly most of the time, easier to lose in blowout fashion than it is in this fashion. And it was not a nail-biter all the way to the end, but the Braves led for a a hefty portion of this game and uh, could not hold it. So um, that's, that's, that's of course, the headliner. I do want to mention one positive before we go to the negative, because I might forget and that is the work of AJ Minter, who was fantastic in this game and honestly should have gone down in, in lore for the way that he pitched at the outset. Um, you know, Minter finishes with three innings, one hit, no walks, seven strikeouts, uh, career highs in pitches and innings. His first major league start happens in the NLCS. Um, I just want to make sure we, we spent a minute talking about Minter, who I guess it went for not in the end, but he was uh, yeah. he was awesome and that worked out very well. He was fantastic. I mean, he was he was fired up. I think the first pitch of the game was 98. We've seen over AJ's career when he is healthy and when he's feeling good, uh, he is as dominant as any left-handed reliever in baseball. He was fantastic tonight, just popping the mitt up, down. Fastball was great. His cutter was working nicely. So, yeah, again, it's, it's going to be forgotten a little bit just because of the result of tonight's game. But uh, whenever you do a bullpen game, especially a team – like the Braves, who are not super familiar and comfortable with them, at least historically. Um, you just didn't know what you were going to get, but he was fantastic. And it's a shame, hopefully, assuming you know, if the Braves can go on to win this series, that he does get remembered well for his performance tonight. For sure. And we'll get into the bullpen game aspect of this. We knew this going in last night, Eric, and I talked about it in, in advance, how this is going to be a very weird game, win or lose, with the pitching. Um, I think just a lot of baseball fans and Braves fans are just not conditioned to full-scale bullpen games because they just don't happen that often. So there's a lot of people that don't really understand how they work, and there was some frustration happening that we'll address with the bullpen management. Um, 
I promise that we're, we'll, we'll get to that, but I know it's kind of a weird one, but Minter uh, pitched great, obviously, at the outset. Um, in lieu of full play-by-play, I want to hit the highlights here quickly. Um, obviously, the first inning of the Braves strike, um, after a couple of positives, uh, Freddie doubles and then gets to throw on a pass ball. Mar- Marcelo Zuna walks, and then Travis Darno breaks the seal with a sack fly to take a 1-0 lead. And by the way, I thought that ball was gone. I think we all did. I know Dustin May thought it was gone. He reacted yeah. pretty visibly on the mound. And I kind of almost forgot about this. But if that ball gets out of the ballpark, it's obviously a different game. Yeah, it's frustrating. This park is huge. I will say there was some talk I saw earlier tonight on exactly that. Man, this ballpark sucks. I will say um, Bryce Wilson, as good as he was, there was a 410-foot out from Jock <laughs> we, Peterson. We, we, we did mention that last night. Yeah, yes, for sure. Yes, it was yes. uh, so, That was an adventure. It was not. It's not all one-sided, for sure. Yes, and I know, you know, Ozzie Albies was robbed in Game 3 and ended up not mattering, but he hit about a 408-foot out. So, again, this park has is gigantic and it is unfortunate but i will say it's it's not as if it's not like last year's playoff series against the cardinals where the braves hit like eight balls to the warning track and and had nothing to show for it um it's a big park it was unfortunate you're right if you go up three nothing early there instead of one nothing it does kind of change the, the the feel of the game right especially in a clinching situation but it was a good job by the Braves early on to, to capitalize on the couple chances they had. Yeah, at least, at least they score there. And then in, in the second, after Minter um, shuts them down again, um, sort of a weird sequence, but they they were, they were going to try a squeeze with Pache. He, he didn't get it down. That was a weird decision. Um, but fortunately, he lines it. He lines one in the center field, take a 2 nothing lead. Um, Could have been bigger. This is a missed opportunity, I would say, on some level. Not, not a huge one, but first and second, one out after that. And Acuna and Freddie come into the plate, and Acuna yeah. flies out, and Freddie strikes out, which is going to happen sometimes. I mean, I will say this: Ronald Acuna has not been great at the plate in this series. We talked about this last night on the podcast. People were asking me again tonight. I'm very confident he is hurt um, on some level. We discussed this last night as well. Um, by the way, he didn't get hurt last night in on the play. He obviously, you know, did something where he stayed down, but he doesn't look like himself, which is unfortunate. He's still better than the other options right now, but uh, I'm, I'm, we're all hoping he finds it again because uh, that, that's a spot that the Braves can't really afford necessarily. I don't, I don't want to put too much on Ronnie because it's not, it's not like it was just him, but uh, yeah. because, because I just said that out loud, uh, I do, we do acknowledge that he's not been great in the series. I know that. Yeah. He's been streaky his whole career. And we've seen the stretches where he, he doesn't make an out for two weeks. We've also seen stretches like this where he is scuffling. And I think you're right. Um, I, I don't envision that he's 100%, and even if he's at 80 or 90%, that's still better than most players. But he is just a tick off. He had a there was a cement mixer slider from Dustin May that he just missed yep. uh, earlier. He's he's been close. You hope that with potentially two games left in the season, we'll see how they go. That he he kind of finds himself, and he did have some hard contact tonight, even if it didn't have a result to go with it. You just hope he's he's ready to go. And but I'm with you. I, I don't think the wrist is 100%. Yeah. Um. From there, we talked about Mentor already, but obviously he was incredible. Um, he actually outlasted Dustin May in this game, which is amusing. They, mm. they they go to they go to Joe Kelly. So here's the here's the first pivot point of the night in the bottom of the third. It's Joe Kelly on the mound, who is not a great pitcher for the Dodgers. You get a leadoff single from Ozuna, a single by Darno, and then a swinging bunt by Ozzy to go second and third with one out. Um, but then the big moment happens. Dansby hits this weird fly ball that was almost going to land short of Mookie Betts in right field. Mookie Betts a great play on it, to his credit. He's awesome out there. Uh, makes a great catch, sort of uh, a shoestring catch. Ozuna seemingly scores. 
to give the Braves a 3-0 lead, but um, on replay, it was very, very clear that he left early and did sort of this weird hop play. Everybody, everybody saw it that's listening to this podcast, I know, but um, it was a great catch. It was also very bad for Mozuna. We are a pro Ozuna podcast, but that was a moment that he would like to forget for sure. Yeah, it was. Fox did a, a shot a good angle of he did have a couple players between him and Mookie, which might have shielded his view a little bit. And I get it. I mean, everything is so slowed down afterwards. It's hard to read a ball, whether it's caught, whether it hit the ground, when to tag up. It's unfortunate. I mean, sure, you wish that he would have held the bag for another half second. I'm honestly not sure if he would have been safe at the plate if he did wait to tag up. Uh, yep. Of course, we'll never know that. But it was. I mean, looking back with, with hindsight, it did kind of change the game. Instead of the Braves being up 3-0 with two outs and a couple and a runner on base and, and really feeling good, um, shortly after, as as, we'll, as we know, uh, the game started to shift. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because there is no guarantee that, A, he scores if he tags up properly. Or people mentioned, like, he could have just not gone. Yes, that that's also true, but... You know, there's two outs in that in that spot. Like he's not guaranteed to score later on in the inning. It wasn't like there was there were no outs and he got thrown out at the plate doing something weird with no outs. There were there was one out. If he if he if he does, if he doesn't tack up and go there, he might get stranded at third anyway. So it wasn't a definite you know run versus no run situation. But just the way he did it made it a little bit weirder. Just the kind of the hop step and all that. It was just not great base running. He's not a great base runner. You know, frankly, <laughs> he's he's pretty slow and that just wasn't yeah. great. Um, it was a moment. I'm not you know. I'm not telling you that the game definitely shifted on that play. It felt like it in the moment in some ways. And obviously with the way that things went right after that and the way the Braves stopped hitting from there, all the momentum people were out in that spot. I'm not a big advocate of that, but uh, it was a play that we all circled. And obviously um, it would have been better if they had scored. Um, So I want to stop here for a second. We talked about Mincer. We lauded him earlier. They go to Matzik in the fourth. I'll stop there now. There was this contingent of Braves fans and even some people in the media, seemingly, I'm not sure if they were 100% saying this or not, that that were upset that Minter came out. And I just don't understand that whatsoever. And um, as we were talking, actually, Brian Snicker said that Minter um, went an inning and a half longer than he uh, had thought he was going to go. Yeah. So that'll tell you that tells you right there. Um, the quote that Fox Sports just said, uh, this is from Snicker. I know he emptied the tank that last inning. It was an inning more than I thought we'd get out of him, end quote. So that tells you all you need to know right there. I think it's also just common sense that a basically a one inning reliever, maybe a one, you know, his career high was one and two thirds innings. This is a pure reliever, not even a long man, a pure reliever. You got three innings out of him. He threw a career high in pitches and yeah for some reason people were upset that he came out of the game. Like he was awesome. We, we both, we, we, we both praised him, but in that third inning, he was not as good as he was in the first two innings, which is not a surprise. Like he's gassed in that moment. So yeah. there was no chance he was coming back for the fourth thing. I just want to say that out loud because I was kind of baffled by some of the response to that. Yeah, there's no chance. And he's not a guy like Tyler Matzik who has been a starter in the past and might know how to extend himself a little bit. You know, Sean Newcomb comes to mind, somebody who has starting experience but no, I mean, he was he was clearly gassed. He was phenomenal after three innings. Um, and at that time, after three innings, it was uh, still two to nothing. Yep. Um, there was no guarantee. It's not like the score was nine nothing and you felt like you could coast and maybe you want to try to save it so you don't have to keep burning your bullpen. Um, AJ will not be available tomorrow by any means or game no. six, I guess I should say at this point. But um, game seven, if it gets there, he will be absolutely counted on because of how well he's thrown this playoff. So 
three innings, as Snicker said, is is far beyond what we could have expected. I, I don't have his total pitch count in front of me, but forty two, I, I believe oh, it was forty two. Yep, um, that's a lot. far more than anyone <laughs> could have expected. I think if you would have asked us, and maybe maybe uh, you and Eric talked about it, but honestly, I mean, anything more than two innings from AJ tonight was phenomenal. And again, you. It's unfortunate that the result went the way it did because he should should be lauded for his performance tonight. For sure. And I honestly was just stunned. I thought it was kind of a no-brainer. There was there was real talk and realistic and I think responsible talk about pulling him before the end of the third inning. Um, but at that point, it was just also visibly obvious that he was not the same guy anymore. So, uh, yeah, a no-brainer there. Now, the decision-making from there was a point of contention. We'll talk about this now. Um Corey Seager hits a home run. By the way, Corey Seager is completely outside his mind in this series. Um, at the end of the night, I believe Corey Seager is slugging 1100. Not, not OPS, yeah, just, slugging 1100 in the series. We gotta stop. We gotta stop throwing him fastballs. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's just bad. It's really bad. So they went to Matzik in the fourth. I was totally fine with that. They had O'Day warming up in the third while while Minter was still in there. Uh, people were seemingly bothered by this. I, I didn't have a problem whatsoever with Matzik being there. Um, Matzik's been good. He's a potential multi-inning guy as well. He had really just the one issue against Seager, which Seager's killing everyone. And even then, you know, Matzik pitched, what, one and a third and was totally fine other than the one bad pitch. Like, that's one where even the results weren't terrible. I don't know. I was fine with Matzik. That's all I said. Yeah, he was fine. And he faced the middle of the order. As you said, Corey Seager's out of his mind right now. And um, the Dodgers lineup is so balanced. The left-right, left-right thing, it's hard to really attack that in any way, right? So um, he was fine, as you said, a guy who is, has experience. He can cover multiple innings if you need to do it. So you have to be able to cover those middle innings somehow. And I think he was the guy who I would have gone to as well. Yeah, no, no issue with that whatsoever. The bigger problem... Of course, that we'll get to in a second was the fact that Braves, after the Ozuna blunder, uh, nine straight outs, so three straight one, two, three innings. And if yeah. you count what happened in that inning, they actually had 11 straight batters get retired and 12 outs in those 11 batters. So that was mm-hmm. a, a big part of the problem, too, is the offense went silent. Um, they bring in Shane Green. Shane Green was also fine. I was not surprised he used him, but I was surprised he pitched him as, as long as he did. By the way, it was, it was Shane Green's third day in a row. Um, so he, we knew he was available going in because Snit said so, but he pitched uh, more than an inning and was fine uh, for the most part. Um, he gives up the infield single in the sixth to Betts on a play that Austin Riley couldn't do anything with. It wasn't his fault by any means. It would have been an absolutely heroic uh, probably running like Derek Jeter-like throw um, for him to even have a chance at yeah, Betts. Yeah. So no issue with that whatsoever. You get a fly out to Seager. Betts still second, and that sets up um, the rundown where it's actually a good result for the Braves. You basically flip Turner and Betts. So Turner is now running with two outs and a man on second. And uh, this is where the game flipped because they go away from Shane Green, which is the right decision. You're facing Max Muncie. Green's already pitched for his third day day in a row. It's more than a full inning already at this point in time, I believe. Um, I'll stop here. They, they, They go to Will Smith, and it's the sixth inning. Will Smith is the three year, $39 million man. I know he was bad yesterday, but before that, he was really good in the playoffs. I said I said as much on the podcast yesterday. I was still confident in Will Smith. Obviously, it didn't work out very well here. Um, I have absolutely no problem with Snicker going to Will Smith. It, this became a talking point. Like, it was controversial to use Will Smith there, which I just think is absolutely insane. Like, it's not yeah. controversial at all to use the guy that's heavily paid. In fact, it's almost aggressive. Like, in, in terms of the traditional baseball sense, using your highest 
you know, your highest investment reliever in the sixth is like pretty aggressive grand scheme. And yeah. uh, it didn't work. Obviously, the, the, the results were bad. And obviously, everybody knows this, but he gives up the uh, the con- the walk to Muncie, which Muncie just was not going to swing. And Smith couldn't yeah. throw him strike. And then the home run to uh, Will Smith and the Will Smith versus Will Smith battle. But I mean, do you agree with me here? I just think that it's... I understand the results over process crowd is always out there, but man, that that was one where, come on, like, yeah. did you really think that Will Smith was, was, was pitching in this game? Because he obviously yeah. was going to pitch. <laughs> no, I was fine with it. I mean, Muncie, it was a tough at bat. He Will Smith just missed on a strike three by maybe an inch on yep. the outside corner. I mean, just missed it. Home plate umpire was pretty consistent throughout the evening, and um, you know, it was not a missed call, but it was one. I, I, obviously captain obvious here wish would have gone the other way but um it was just off the plate once he put together a graded bat and then you know looking back on it the at bat to will smith my first reaction was he should have just kept the fastball up i think you're much less likely to for a righty hitter to tomahawk one out right i think if you keep the fastball elevated uh he's more likely to line it somewhere now granted it might be a line drive double but to have everything up in that at bat and then to drop a fastball it was right on uh, Will Smith's sweet zone, and of course he did not miss it. So, uh, looking back, sure, I you wish there was a different result, but I think I would have gone to Smith as well to face uh, to face Muncie, and then that that is the one challenge of the three batter minimum, right? We've seen that a couple times now in the playoffs when everything gets magnified, the inability to then switch back because sure the lefty on lefty thing usually works out, but. It didn't tonight, and then you have the danger of facing a really good right-handed hitter with Will Smith, who just crushes left-handed pitching. And he put together a graded bat. It was full count, 3-2, and, and then hit it out. And um, at that point, it was obviously a, a turning point and one that the Braves wish they could have back. Yeah, and the only the only other thing that Snit could have done there um, is maybe go to Martin. He'd be the only other guy that I would have advocated for potentially in that spot. But again, I have zero issue, and you know we are not – this is not a podcast where we hesitate to, to criticize Snicker when warranted. Um, we're not we're not the uh, the pom pom waivers on this podcast. That was totally fine. Not I mean obviously the result was bad. We all know this. And Will Smith um, two nights in a row really really burnt you. And that sometimes just the players don't perform. It's just what happens occasionally. Yeah. Uh, it's a bad night. And I mean as we've said, the Dodgers are not going to go quietly. This is not this is not the Marlins right. Where game three they just kind of felt defeated and the Braves just walked all over them. Um, the Dodgers are the Dodgers for a reason. They're the best team on paper for the last five years for a reason. Um, they're going to fight back. This is not a team that was going to go easily. I don't think anyone expected that tonight. Um, but they did show just why they're so dangerous because they put together some terrific at-bats in that inning that changed everything. For sure. And then, of course, the game's not over at that point. It's 4-2. There's plenty of time remaining. But the uh, the seventh inning is where things got out of hand. Jacob Webb comes in. That was uh, not a no-brainer decision, but one that doesn't like drive me crazy to have him start the inning, given where you were in the pecking order of your relievers. Gets two strikeouts in a row, by the way, to open things. So nobody out. Two, uh, sorry, two outs, nobody on. He, uh, quote-unquote, hits Chris Taylor with a pitch, but it was actually on the knob of the bat. And honestly, I will wonder this for a while. Um, Webb got extremely mad about the uh, what he was right by the way it was the it was a bad call at, at, at home plate to award Taylor first base but Webb was like you know ranting and raving and screaming um, and was not happy about it and I wonder if that rattled him a little bit um, yeah. I don't know that to be sure um, and honestly he got he also got kind of unlucky 
because Taylor doubles on the either the next pitch or the pitch after that. It was a 180 expected batting average on that double, so it wasn't like it was roped. And then uh, Mookie Betts RBI single to give them more more cushion. And then there's that man again, Corey Seager, to burst it open with a, with a two yeah. run homer to seven two. Um, I, I made this note quickly. Um, if there was one thing that Snicker did that I didn't love in this game, it was leaving Webb in to face Betts and Seager. I didn't. I don't understand why they did that. Now the impact of that is probably nil, frankly, with the way the game actually went. Um, five two there or whatever it was. It was still four two, I guess, when Betts got had the single. Um, but if you're looking at a controversial pitching decision. That was it, and even then, I, I wasn't outraged by it. I just think that was the one spot I, I would actually question. But Webb going there is fine. I don't know the whole that that was unfortunate because it, it really was deflating. We all probably thought that the game was still winnable at four two, and deep down in the recess of, of my soul, I think seven two is obviously a lot different than four two. Oh, for sure, and I, I agree with you completely about Webb. He struck out the first two batters that he faced in that inning and looked good doing it. By the and way, looked really good. Um, you're right. I mean, there was like a three, there was a three minute review. It took, it three took forever minutes. and he was, fu- and he was furious. It was three minutes to see a very obvious live. It looked like it was off the knob of the bat on replay. I mean, it's like, what the heck are you doing? Right. This is a complete waste. Even uh old friend, Josh Donaldson tweeted. That was three minutes of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> I, I didn't uh, see that. That's funny. Uh, and I think, you know, his words to everyone's right. It's like, what are we doing? So, sure, in the moment, Webb is a young guy. He's never been in a situation like this. You wish he would have kind of composed himself and gotten out of the inning because 4-2 is obviously a whole lot easier than 7-2. And then Seeker, the pitch he made to Seeker was a mistake. It was a a fastball that just went right into his bat plane, and he crushed it. And Again, they got to stop throwing fastballs to Corey Seeker because (laughs) he is literally not missing them. And if they want to win this series, they need to stop letting him because he's, he's really the only guy in the Dodgers order who is consistently hurt the Braves. I mean, if you look up and down the lineup, Muncie has a couple homers. Bellinger had a couple hits in games three and four. But other than that, Mookie has been quiet. The bottom of the order hasn't done much. Um, Seager is almost single-handedly carrying their offense right now, and you have to stop letting him beat you. Yeah, the only other guy in the lineup for the Dodgers in this series that has like great numbers is Muncie. Um, Muncie is, has an OPS over 1,100 in the series. But yeah, your point is correct. It's it's Seager and everybody else so far. Like Betts has been pretty human, knock on wood, in the series. Um, Smith Smith had the home run today, but he's not been great. Like, yeah, I'm I'm with you. He really is the guy that they just can't seem to get out right now, and he's an awesome player. So that's not an indictment necessarily, but I don't know. I, I'll go uh, I'll go to my grave if the Braves lose the series, thinking that Jacob Webb got um, got screwed there by the uh, long review yeah. and as mad as he got and all that stuff. But obviously the Braves were still losing when that happened. So you, sure. you can't say that they were going to win the game, but that, that, that didn't help. Um, if there is a positive, and I guess I'm, I'm going to try to train, I'll do your job here and I'll transition us. Beautiful. If there was a positive, And we talked about this at the beginning about losing in the different ways of losing in a playoff series. The implosion by Webb was not great. However, it did allow for Josh Tomlin to work the final two innings. And if it was four to two, I'm not sure if it would have been Tomlin. I think they might have tried Martin or Melanson. And of course, the benefit of that is, is then tomorrow, those two guys will be fully rested and ready to rock. And you hope that they're in a position to pitch with a lead late in the game as as you want with those guys. Um, So I guess if you are looking for a silver lining and a positive, they were able to give their two best relievers the night off and hopefully have them tomorrow. 
Yeah, that's a huge thing. Uh, obviously, with free on the mound, you're hoping you don't have to use your entire bullpen in the same way that you did today. But yeah, being able to save some guys was very helpful, and you know that's again that's the role of Tomlin, and Tomlin did did his job and ate some innings after after the whole thing was kind of decided. Um, there was a mini threat by the Braves offensively where they got a run in the eighth, but um, a, it was a sort of an ill-timed uh, in the inning before that it was an ill-timed double play and uh, just a lot of brutal luck along the way in, in addition to bad offense yeah. in this game. And by the way, uh, after the third inning, the Braves got two hits. So yeah. And only two extra we'll never know. in the game. I uh, mean, so. the thing is about plays like the non-tag up by Ozuna that changed. We'll never know. I mean, is it a coincidence? Possibly. Was it a dramatic shift in the game? And was it because of that one play? Also certainly possible. You just never know, right? I mean, it's the old thing in football. Does the offense get going because the other team missed a field goal? I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it's because they have a good offense. Maybe it's because they were due to have a quiet night. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Frustrating night all the way around. As you said, there were a couple of rally chances for the Braves, even down 7-2. We've seen how quickly this lineup can put up runs. Um, it wasn't meant to be, and hopefully they're able to, to close it out tomorrow. Yeah, we'll leave uh, We'll leave tonight in the past to end the podcast. Um, looking ahead to tomorrow slash today, 438 start, game six, Freed versus Bueller. Uh, headline matchup, of course. Freed has still not lost a game this season that he has pitched. That hopefully will continue on Saturday. You mentioned the bullpen stuff. The guys who we don't think will be available real quickly. I mean, Green's pitched three days in a row. I can't imagine he's going to pitch tomorrow. Uh, Mentor is not going to pitch tomorrow. Smith and Madsik two days in a row now. Um, I I don't think you probably want to use Smith, frankly, given how he looked the first these last two days. Yeah. Maybe give him the day off, and you still have to use him in Game Seven. Uh, you can't just bury Will Smith. That's not a reality. But I think after these two days, he's probably an emergency option tomorrow. But again, hopefully you get six out of Freed, seven out of Freed, something like that, and you don't have to worry about it because you do have your big guns available, and uh, that is quite helpful, of course. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any uh, thoughts about tomorrow mm-hmm. other than it's, it's it's obviously a much more conventional game than it was today where both sides were in their bullpen super early. This time it's more of a heavyweight matchup and a more traditional look. Yeah, I think for both teams, unless they're just getting absolutely bludgeoned I think both Freed and Bueller can just about lock themselves in for 90 plus pitches tomorrow. Now you hope that that 90 plus pitches covers five, six, seven, eight innings, but both bullpens are worn down. Um, This is the, this is why teams don't love doing bullpen games because then whenever you aren't doing a quote unquote bullpen game, it's, it's harder than to find guys who are fresh that you can rely on. So um, it's going to be a battle again. It's, it's both teams. Number one, you do hope if there is a, uh, a benefit to this, everyone kind of figured with good reason uh, on the other side of things, as the Rays went up 3-0, uh, they are now playing game seven tomorrow with the Astros. And that's and why while... the Braves game's at 430, because the Astros uh, keep winning. <laughs> yes. I mean, if, if you're looking for a positive, and I guess, uh, sh- sure, every Braves fan on the planet wanted to wrap this up tonight, but it's not as if, assuming they would have played the Rays as of 48, 72 hours ago, um, you would not want to face them if they would have had like four days of rest compared to the Braves, because there's just so little time. The world series starts on Tuesday. So the fact that those two teams are having to stress themselves out and play tomorrow, even if the Braves have to play Sunday, there really shouldn't be a ton of, of a change in, you know, pitching matchups and whatnot. So hopefully they're able to wrap it up tomorrow and, uh, and advance for the first time since 99. Yeah. The only caveat there and, uh, 
obviously all, all, all caveats apply here. We, we are not, we're not counting this as a win in this series. We know that it's not, um, the Braves are still favorite at this moment at three, two for sure. But to the world series point that you just made, um, it'd be good. This is <laughs> quite obvious, but, uh, it would be good separate of just winning the series. It would be good to win on Saturday because if you have to go to game seven, uh, you will have neither Freed nor Anderson on full rest until game three of the World Series. And that's mm. not what you want. You do not yep. have to go to the World Series. Obviously, it's better to get to the World Series regardless, but you don't want to have to open the World Series with Kyle Wright in game one and uh, Bryce Wilson in game two. That's yep. not what you want. So, and by, and by the way, there are off days in the World Series. So if you can line it up where you have Ian Anderson pitching game one of the World Series, he can he can definitely go twice. Um, Free can definitely go twice and all that stuff. So there cool. are obvious pressure points to just winning the series, um, but there is a little bit of extra motivation to win it tomorrow instead of Sunday. Yep, absolutely. Hopefully they can wrap it up and don't have to go to Anderson. You would hope that, that they can uh, take advantage of this 3-1 lead, and as we talked about, regardless of, of how it goes, they've they've had a great first five games in this series, and um, here's hoping, man. What a, what a shame. I don't think anyone wants to go to a Game 7 just because Game 7 terrifies me. As even it, if as it should, <laughs> even if uh, Ian Anderson's on the mound, I, I just don't think anyone wants that. So no, um, here's hoping this time, 24 hours, the Braves are World Series bound. Yeah, there's really no strategy either. We'll get we'll get out of here now, but there's nothing really that's to discuss about tomorrow. The lineup's going to be what the lineup is. They're facing a righty. That means Marquez and left, and that means what's going to happen. I mean, there's nothing. There's no uncertainty going into tomorrow. There's a lot going into today, a lot to discuss last night with Eric, and this time around, it's like, all right, Max Freed, go get him, line up, go get him, go score, yep. go, go score more than three runs, <laughs> and uh, go to the World Series. Huge analysis there from us. All right, well, Scott, thanks for joining me. Anything? If you have anything else to say, please say it. If not, plug yourself and what you got going. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one tonight. Hopefully, I'm the bad luck curse here, and Eric and Brad can bring one home here soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, and uh, Brad, I think you're you do you're do some sleep here. It's one thirty in the morning your time. You're ready to go to bed. It's one thirty. I got to edit this and do all the stuff for it. Uh, one note for tomorrow's podcast, and I'll probably tweet this as well. There's a chance that Pod is a little bit late tomorrow night. Um, it'll be up tomorrow night, uh, but you know, this whole time we've been recording essentially right right at the last out, and my schedule may not allow that tomorrow, depending on how long the game ends up going. If, if it's a quick game, I can do it. If not, I have I have, I have a commitment in the middle there, but I promise you'll have a podcast by Sunday morning. Uh, so don't don't panic if, if the pod's not immediately ready for you. But please subscribe, and you will get it right when it drops. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks to Scott. Thanks to Eric, who will be here tomorrow, I believe, and we'll see you then. 